example in your book about how Adobe ahead of its time reinvented its strategy for the digital future. What yeah. can, uh, you know, uh, corporate leaders, our viewers learn from Shantanu Narayan's leadership and Adobe's yeah. approach to formulating strategy, yeah. you know, in, in, in this era. And they, they already did it uh, yeah. earlier, early enough. So I have an enormous uh, admiration for Shantanu uh, who uh, took uh, the concept of Adobe uh, mm -hmm. and, and just to back up, uh, they have a, uh, a powerful editing, uh, photo editing uh, routine called Photoshop. And right. uh, in 2001, so 10 years ago, uh, that was sold as, uh, th this is uh, for many of your viewers, a blast out of the past. Uh, right. Yes. Shrink wrap <laughs> software. You went uh, in and you I bought, bought your it box. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we all remember that day. Uh, where we had a, uh, a a file drawer in our laptop, where we put the uh, uh, CD, and uh, that was their business. Because essentially, what they sold was a perpetual license for this elegant uh, and powerful editing software, photo editing. Right. Mm. Uh, but in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, they uh, could see already the uh, possibilities of cloud computing. And right. uh, <clears throat> cloud computing at that point was very nascent. Uh, right. There was Microsoft and Amazon Web Services was just getting started. It, it's mm -hmm. amazing to go back 10 years and see how much has happened. Um, but they were very, very concerned that uh, somebody like Amazon or Oracle or Microsoft could use the, uh, inter, uh, the escalating uh, potential and capability of uh, the cloud to enter their business hmm. using cloud storage. And uh, so they decided, they did all sorts of scenarios and they decided to step away from their subscription business, sorry, uh, step away yeah. from their license the package software license business, business. Yes. and uh, shift entirely to a subscription service where your photos were stored in the cloud. And it was a dramatically different and an extraordinary business model innovation. It's also technology innovation. Um, Absolutely. Now, the reason I think it was a brilliant move is that they saw that threat earlier than anybody else. And they were able to convert that threat, uh, looming threat into a vast opportunity. So let's look uh, where they are now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are absolutely dominant in that sector still. Mm. Uh, mm. And, uh, they uh, last time I looked, which was about a week ago, the price earnings ratio was 58 to one. In other Fantastic. words, the market is saying, this is an extraordinary growth opportunity. You built a platform that nobody can match. So they simultaneously created a new platform and uh, 
preempted their competitors. And that's something that uh, is, is a major uh, consequence and benefit of seeing sooner and then acting faster. Fantastic. But so, uh, you know, I can come yeah. up with uh, a number of other leading tech companies in particular, uh, Intuit uh, mm -hmm. is also vigilant as is MasterCard. Correct, correct, right, yeah. So, you know, uh, earlier in the discussion today, as well as in your books, you've been emphasizing the importance of detecting weak signals and acting on them. And, you know, this is something that you've been emphasizing for a long period of time. Today also, you spoke about it briefly. So in the digital era, when you have a fire hose of data coming, how yeah. can CEOs and CXOs in general sense weak signals, sort them out from the background noise, and then act on them before rivals yeah. respond? Yeah. Well, it, it, it turns out, uh, and, and I'm glad you framed the question that way, <clears throat> because um, as we saw in Adobe, uh, everything goes back to the leadership commitment to vigilance. Mm -hmm. And that turns out to be the uh, discriminating variable. So let's talk about that and then how they mobilize that leadership commitment to actually uh, deal with the uh, uh, fire hose of, of weak signals. Uh, right. What we found about uh, vigilant organizations, or particularly we focused on the leadership team. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Uh, what, what we're seeing is a, an evolution from uh, the leadership team or the C-suite being a set of uh, functional representatives that is uh, representing the interests of the marketing, the finance, the HR um, the disciplines and silos. Uh, now, uh, companies are evolving to a leadership team, which collectively designs and uh, uh, calibrates the strategy. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're the uh, collective, uh, uh, the, the, their collective responsibility is to chart the path forward. Now, vigilant organizations have leadership teams that are characterized by intense curiosity. Mm. Uh, one of the, uh, uh, this was not a study we did, but uh, the, the uh, implications are powerful. And that is that uh, vigilant organizations, when the leadership team gets together, they spend as much as 50% of their time thinking about the future. Uh, and, and, and we saw that in Adobe. Now, uh, as contrast with a vulnerable organization, they spend 20% of their time thinking about the future because they're always reacting. So yep. um, um, deep curiosity, a, uh, a commitment to uh, thinking about the future. Uh, one of the uh, attributes we found of a vigilant organization was that everybody was highly networked, uh, mm. but not networked in the usual sense. So uh, let, I, uh, I was giving the insurance executives a bit of a hard time is to say, you spend most of your time going to industry meetings where you're comfortable, you know, everybody. Uh, but 
I want you to get out of your comfort zone and go and uh, uh, network with a totally different sector um, and, and get their perspective. So uh, uh, we, we, we talked hey, a lot about how to network uh, and, and say, I want you to go out and join the Blockchain Institute and uh, uh, interact with a lot of other leaders who are wrestling with the problems of blockchain. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eventually going to get to your question, which is, is critical. This is interesting. Uh, mm. But you've got to have the uh, leadership commitment. Uh, the fourth attribute is that they are very open uh, and diverse in their mm. uh, character. And by open, they are open for uh, weak signals from the periphery of the organization. So uh, the mavericks, uh, the, the, <clears throat> the people that don't fit in, uh, as right. well as their partners. Uh, right. and, and they demonstrate an openness so that uh, when the, uh, the, uh, the, they, they get the weak signals, mm -hmm. uh, they have a much better menu of, uh, uh, threats and opportunities to choose from. And then they go back and uh, use their guiding questions to sort through what things really matter. Uh, and uh, oh, one other uh, aspect of a vigilant organization, which I think mm -hmm. does speak to your question directly, is mm -hmm. how they approach anomalies. And, right. Uh, uh, I find uh, the concept of anomalies quite powerful. And uh, some organizations begin their uh, leadership team meetings by discussing, okay, uh, what are the anomalies we saw in the last two, three, four weeks? And an anomaly is something out of the ordinary. Uh, Correct. We can't explain it with our existing mental models. And... Uh, Almost invariably, when a distributor or an insurance agent does something uh, out of the ordinary, unexpected, that's an anomaly, uh, right. there's something going on there. And uh, so vigilant organizations pursue the implications of that kind of anomaly. And, and uh, as I say, um, eventually everybody will see it. But they've got early it's too warning late, right? because they're much more sensitized to it. Correct, correct. So, so you know, you uh, in this context, to give the example of GE Healthcare in India, who use yep. uh, you know weak signals and probably some amount of anomaly, you know, because they, they, otherwise they're used to how things are done in the U.S. and developed markets. But then they saw something anomalous and they saw some weak signals <laughs> to identify opportunities on healthcare uh, business in India. Exactly. So, you know, is there, are there some things that others can learn from them, you know, even in developing markets, how they can spot such opportunities? Well, uh, <clears throat> the, the, I, I think their experience in India uh, hmm. suggests the, uh, the, the, the value of vigilance, but hmm. there is a, uh, 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 a, a side story, which hmm. uh, Viji, um, who I, I think you've interviewed. Yes, uh, Vijay Govindarajan, uh, yes. So he discovered 
the, the there was a reverse innovation going on. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's a brilliant insight because he saw, oh, wait a minute. Uh, um, there's this wonderful innovation going on with uh, very low cost imaging devices. Excellent, um, excellent. Yeah. And uh, yes. many uh, global companies are concerned about that sort of thing because they say, well, um, we want to sell premium, um, very high quality products. But there's a very <laughs> yeah. large segment of uh, the developing world, U.S., North America, Europe, that uh, would value these uh, reverse innovations. So Absolutely. there's an innovation coming from India. Um, mm. uh, that's what he has principally studied. Yeah, yeah, the ECGs from ECG machines from India and uh, yeah, ultrasound yeah. from uh, GE China, and that he talks yeah. about the both of them and uh, yeah. that they were valuable in this part of the world. But also, when you mentioned uh, reverse innovation, that how for ambulances and all the exactly. uh, portable yeah. applications in 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 US and U U Europe, yeah. it was very valuable. Yeah. So um, <laughs> another interesting aspect of that is that uh, uh, vigilant organizations spend a lot of their time looking at precursor markets. Right. And uh, so I, I was talking with uh, someone in the packaging industry mm -hmm. maybe six months ago. Okay. And uh, somehow the uh, topic of precursors came up and he said, oh, yeah. Most of the major innovations in packaging come out of Japan. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, we have, uh, we've set up an outpost in Japan strictly to monitor new product launches, new technologies, uh, new packaging uh, systems uh, that we can then uh, uh, either Dull license borrow or, or copy and uh, bring to the rest of the world. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so, you know, uh, you talked about how you your work um, uh, and uh, Professor Paul Schumacher's work on scenario, scenario planning, mm -hmm. complement each other, how you work together. So that is actually was, you know, I found that was brought out in your uh, discussion on, you know, how the LED industry looked at you know planning for right. medium to long-term future they thought in terms of uh, um, scenarios and uh, yeah. you also highlight there that you know hey can you think of one unthinkable and hard to believe scenario that that was very interesting you know yeah. idea that i could take away so could you share what phillips did in that area yeah uh, <clears throat> so let me go back and frame it uh more broadly uh right. and 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 this uh helps us think through the uh, literally the tsunami wave of uh, uh, information data that mm -hmm. uh, is threatening to submerge us. So uh, I'm going to frame my answer around this concept of guiding questions. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me, you can't pay attention to everything. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just too much going on, but uh, there are a few areas, few zones uh, mm -hmm. in the case of the chocolate industry where you better pay 
really close attention. Right. And uh, so the, the idea of a guiding question uh, is uh, what have we missed? Uh, so you can come up with these guiding questions. What have we persistently missed in the past? And uh, right. these are almost always uh, internal issues that, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, country manager in uh, X country is uh, uh, taking bribes or giving bribes, that sort of thing. Uh, so you want to avoid making the same mistake again. Uh, mm -hmm. Then in the present, you really want to look at uh, where the action is. And mm -hmm. then in the future, uh, mm -hmm. this is where the unthinkable strategy, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, sorry, the unthinkable scenario is what you want to keep an eye on. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, the, the idea of an unthinkable scenario, particularly in uh, uh, back in the uh, Phillips, uh, use of it uh, mm -hmm. in thinking through their LED strategy, maybe 10 years ago, uh, they created scenarios around uh, the uh, extent of diffusion. Uh, and, and any scenario has to define a couple of really big uncertainties. But mm -hmm. one was uh, the uh, advent and introduction and adoption of electronic controls. Mm. Uh, so nobody had any idea uh, whether that would be uh, a, a complete takeover of mm -hmm. the lighting controls or mm -hmm. not, uh, mm. because that would take advantage, if it did diffuse rapidly, take mm. advantage of uh, the LEDs uh, precision in creating different colors, uh, brightness, and so forth. So, uh, but there was an unthinkable strategy where there would be widespread adoption of electronic controls mm -hmm. and uh, a dramatic shift in the uh, cost-benefit uh, mm -hmm. ratio, because at that point, nobody knew whether they could get the cost down to uh, be competitive with incandescent lights. So there's two major uncertainties and uh, the uh, uh, unthinkable scenario uh, that is this alternative plausible future um, is the one they really wanted to watch carefully. And so a vigilant organization creates these scenarios uh, and they may have three or four of them, but mm -hmm. uh, what we introduced in the book is this concept of strategic radar. Uh, right. And uh, the, the radar is set up around uh, monitoring the evolution of the industry into the future. And uh, it's informed by the, uh, the, the kind of uh, metrics that we need to, or indicators that we need to keep an eye on to determine which scenario is unfolding. Mm. Um, and, and so uh, that's another way that vigilant organizations uh, set themselves up because they are watching those things 
that will have the most impact on the future. And Fantastic. They're, they're, they're watching and waiting, and uh, then they're prepared to act when the time is right. Right. So that, that concept, would you say, is akin to what people should do, uh, you know, when we are talking about the Gartner hype cycle and so on, that there's a new technology that comes in, um, they should, you know, put it in that uh, scanning radar and keep an eye on it? Is that, would it also similar thing be applicable here also and not, uh, not ignore it? Yeah. Uh, so the, <clears throat> the Gartner hype cycle uh, is a very popular way to uh, characterize the evolution of a uh, of a technology, uh, but it's far from perfect. And right. uh, uh, this is the uh, the base technology, uh, say blockchains. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it is, the uh, reason it's called the hype cycle is that mm -hmm. initially everybody mm -hmm. is fantastically excited about the prospects of uh, deep learning uh, uh, sensors and mm -hmm. uh, uh, in 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 in, the, in this particular instance, blockchains. Hmm. Uh, but inevitably, it gets overhyped. That is, people get. Uh, I'm I'm a Canadian, and uh, we have a term which I I, I think is uh, perfect, but it doesn't work so well in Singapore. It's that they get too far over their skis. Okay, and, uh, <laughs> understood. Yeah. You can see where this is going to go. Uh, yeah. You get a, way too far over your skis, and then you uh, get off balance and you fall. And <clears throat> so there's a peak uh, hype of expectation, and then it drops into the uh, trough of disillusionment. And, right. uh, and, and then, then finally it gets established. So uh, you have to figure out uh, not only where you are in the Gartner hype cycle, but also uh, how that's going to affect your organization and, and whether, um, and, and this, is, this goes back to the uh, acting faster part. By acting faster, we don't mean a major commitment but rather right. buying real options. A real Correct. option here is maybe uh, just a small stake in a technology startup. Uh, right. It, it could be as simple as uh, a, a little market study, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, what we're finding increasingly in the tech space is that the uh, determining factor is the availability of talent. Right. And uh, uh, particularly talent that can bridge what's needed with what's possible, that is right. with the new technology. So uh, we're finding the vigilant organizations are the ones that uh, increasingly I see are uh, looking at, uh, say, an area like blockchains or AI. And they've been looking at that for say four or five years and they've hired very carefully mm -hmm. the key people they need <clears throat> now that does not mean that they're going to commit to entering that or applying that particular technology but 
if it proves out that when the time is right, they're ready to go. They've got the talent. They've got Absolutely. the partnerships. Uh, they deeply understand how the technology is going. So the uh, uh, big drug companies all have uh, dozens, if not hundreds, uh, small ownership stakes in uh, drug startups. Right. Biotech firms and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I wanted to change gear and, you know, uh, bring this discussion to something which is more current and which is coming up, you know, in the last few days, we have seen that uh, Wall Street Journal investigative reports on uh, what uh, Facebook knew about the social impacts mm -hmm. of its in Instagram services, say on teen yeah. girls or the other things and the whitelist they had to protect celebrities and so yeah. on and so forth. So what I found interesting was that like, uh, you know, though, uh, the book uh, came out a year ago, uh, a little bit more than that. You had pointed out that, like you know, Facebook, despite being a new era firm, is not getting these issues right about the you know uh, mm -hmm. digital uh, turbulence and digital era issues right. And you actually you know said that the infamous uh, deny, deflect, and delay approach yeah, you right. know that, yeah. that that the leadership had yeah. in you know uh, and you know how they dealt with Cambridge and analytica and the hate yeah. speech etc has had severe effects on the firm so what can we learn from the mistakes they made in framing yeah. or ignoring the problems and dealing with you know uncomfortable information and difficult questions because these are also an aspect of the digital era yeah. right and uh, just to uh, up the stakes on your question there's billions at stake um, so I, I'm a bit cynical about uh, Facebook. I think uh, they uh, uh, are getting these weak signals, although they uh, uh, have a, uh, a, a perhaps a blind spot. And uh, I'm going to introduce a, a term which I find uh, particularly for internal issues is right. highly relevant and that's willful blindness willful uh, blindness yes and, and i i think there's a lot of willful blindness going on in the uh upper ranks of facebook uh mm -hmm. that is they don't want to hear about it uh, right and and so we see this uh cost i mean I, I can come up with any number of examples uh of willful blindness uh volkswagen and mm -hmm. their emission scandal. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and the leadership, I'm sure, knew all about it. But yes. they turned a blind eye. Uh, so that's willful, uh, as did Wells Fargo uh, mm -hmm. with their uh, uh, scandal. New account scandal. It, it, people, uh, their employees setting up bogus accounts. <laughs> bogus and new on accounts. And yes. on and on. <laughs> and uh, I, I think the concept of willful blindness uh, Explains. is highly applicable. They uh, have a, a tremendous uh, uh, flow of information, but there's some mm -hmm. things they don't want to hear. Get right. Uh, and they, they just uh, avert their eyes. Correct. Correct. And, yeah. uh, and 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 talk about an organization that is overwhelmed with weak signals. 
right um, right and now the wall street journal reports is talking about it's not even weak because internal investigations are highlighting it so it's it's no longer probably out in the periphery and weak and all because the internal is working on yeah, that yeah yeah so so in closing what are the recommendations to organizational leaders right regarding spotting weak signals developing foresight taking actions in this era of digital turbulence what would be your closing recommendations to the leaders so <clears throat> i am um, focusing increasingly on uh, the role of leadership mm-hmm. it is a leadership challenge and so mm-hmm. we were obviously talking about that with facebook but I think uh, to succeed in an increasingly turbulent environment, and uh, that's what we're anticipating, uh, not, not only uh, the digital turbulence, but the consequences of climate change, inequality, uh, any number of social ills uh, that are gonna impact companies. So we have a very turbulent environment. Those that are going to succeed more uh, and, and be more resilient are mm-hmm. those that are vigilant. And so mm-hmm. ultimately, it's a leadership challenge. I've talked a lot about how they demonstrate their commitment. Uh, they have to make the investments in foresight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we talked, for example, about uh, the need to have outposts in right. uh precursor countries. The, right. But there's two other elements that I want to mm-hmm. add in conclusion. You have to uh, create an organization that mm-hmm. is resilient and not siloed because sharing of information is absolutely critical. And mm-hmm. then the last uh, comment and attribute uh, is goes back to your very first question. And that is rethink how you approach strategy making and uh, uh, start from the outside in. Look at your organization through the eyes of regulators, customers, competitors, and uh, those four pieces in place, you have a much, much better chance of keeping your footing in in an increasingly volatile period we're entering into. Those are wonderful recommendations, wonderful insights, Professor Day. Thank you so much for talking to us. It was an honor to have you and uh, your great insights. And I'm sure that all our listeners, it's it's my pleasure. Well, I really, really appreciated not only the invitation, but your insightful and thoughtful questions. Uh, Thank you. But as you can tell, uh, I can get really energized about this because we all are going to have to live in the in a uh, unpredictable future, but it can be managed. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.